So once you lie down, then I want you to ask yourself, why am I lying in this particular shape? So some of you choose what's most comfortable for you because we've worked together for a while. And then sometimes it's, well, this is how you lie on the floor in a yoga class, the, as I like to call it, advanced spiritual way to lie on the floor. So if I give you more qualifiers for how to lie, can you find a place on the floor lying down that's comfortable for you, regardless of the shape? And that can include moving your arms, moving your legs. And lying on the floor also is not inherently comfortable for everyone. So you can lie on your side. You could sit up. There's literally no right or wrong. It's just are you comfortable in the position that you're in, especially if it's going to be sustained for a little bit of time. So for every one of the instructions that gets said in classes, there's many options. And it's usually presented in a lot of classes out there at large as just one size. You guys don't work that way here, but it's usually eyes closed. Well, what if that doesn't make you feel at ease? So how about eyes open or closed? And if they're open, maybe you hold your eyes or your gaze at one point, or you let your eyes fuzz out. Maybe just let them do what they do. And we've got to get into this space. So rather than it being just come to your breath, drop your things at the door, as sometimes gets said, let's go with what's happening here in this space. What can you sense? What can you notice? One of the reasons I love this particular space so much is that you have noise that happens. There's traffic that will constantly go by. How often? How much? I don't know. Depends. There's a little bit of sound in this room from the vents or from the lights, maybe your breath, maybe you fidgeting around or the people around you moving around. None of that's right or wrong. It's just, can you notice all the sounds that are here? Sound is one sensory anchor that could exist here. Usually the breath is used in that place. But sound, if it's easy for you to find, if when you're not doing anything else in class or if your mind wanders somewhere and sound is something you find easy to access, then maybe you set sound as your focal point or what we could call your anchor. And there's also what's touching the floor. So much like how sound changes, what sounds you're hearing, the frequency, the volume, the pace, it's the same with what's touching the floor and what's being supported by the floor. So perhaps noticing now parts of your body that are anchored and being supported by the floor. What you're looking for is one sensory anchor that grabs your attention that you can find easily. So if it was sound, return to sound. If it's the feeling of the floor underneath of you, let that be the anchor you choose. And then there's how the breath sounds or feels. 
the movement of the breath. You could even intellectualize the breath, thinking inhale, exhale as they unfold, but trying to stay with more the sensation of the breath. Should that be an anchor that's easy for you to find? But there's no hierarchy to any one of those. Sound, feeling of support of the floor, some aspect of the sensation of the breath. You're just looking for the one that's easiest for you to find, that resonates the most with you today. So with each one of those, whatever one works for you, Pick that, and then for the next few moments, let yourself settle on your chosen anchor and return to it when you wander, reminding yourself of this is the particular focal point I'm choosing for today. And then from that one anchor, come out to how your body is positioned, just Bring your feet to rest on the floor. Have your knees bent, feet hip distance, knees roughly hip distance as well. And just the right foot. Start to lift your right heel up off of the ground. And then bring it back down. You're starting to lift the right heel up and down while keeping the ball of your foot on the ground. Just moving from the ankle. You'll also impact your toes some. And at first, just moving the foot with very little effort. And noticing as you progress with this, as time unfolds, as you lift the heel up, what, was it, what would it feel like to think that as it lifts, you're pushing the ball of the foot down more? That simply that action of lifting the heel up presses the front of your foot down. And then eventually letting the heel come up and hold and actively pushing the ball of the foot down, the toes down, just enough that you can notice, okay, this is how it feels to push the weight into the front edge of my foot. And then bring that down and take a pause, direct your mind back to your one focal point or anchor for one moment. Then come out to the other side and as its own unique experience, left heel up and down. So here the foot is moving and the heel is actually lifting up. If you can imagine, at a certain point, you keep the heel down, but actively, with a lot of the same muscles and effort, push the weight forward. Eventually, let it become more active, where as you're lifting the heel up, you're intentionally trying to press the ball of the foot down. What does that feel like? You do that. Going from that dynamic movement to held in a static way, just heel up and actively pressing down into the front of the foot. So how do you do that? How does it happen in your particular body? 
and come back down. Go back to the right side. Now, the opposite direction. Heel stays down. Take the ball, the foot, the toes up. And down. So up and down with minimal effort. Just noticing how your ankle moves this direction at first. adding a little bit of effort to the equation so that as the ball of the foot and the toes come up, the heel actively presses down in the effort, thinking, try to make it a little heavier. So how does that happen? We would call this shifting the weight back into the heel of the foot where you to be standing. Continuing with that same pattern, at first moving dynamically, and then eventually hold the ankle in that static position. So how do you keep the ankle flexed like this and press the heel down a bit? And when you've learned that side, then swap to the other. First with minimal effort, just follow the foot up and down. And if it's easier, harder, different in some way, the same, it's all irrelevant. It's just be with the movement of this foot. And going from it being minimal work to more active work. So actively pulling the ball of the foot up off of the ground so that the heel feels a little bit heavier. You can go from moving dynamically to holding it Noticing, all right, this is how I push the weight back into my heel more, or how I dorsiflex or flex the ankle. And then let that side eventually go. And come back to the right and just rock between the two. So rock between them with minimal effort. Heel up, ball foot up. Just on the right side to start with, back and forth between the two movements. And then eventually with a little bit of effort so that you're actively feeling the front of the foot press down and then actively feeling the heel drive down some. And when you've learned that side, there's no rush, but you swap to the other side and start to move that ankle back and forth. Can you feel how you're doing these movements, where the effort exists? And perhaps a little play going back and forth between sides, moving in some sort of pattern that just is worth exploring to you, be it symmetrical or asymmetrical, completely your choice. explored enough. You can let your feet come back to a resting position. Just drag the mind back. Draw it back to that one focal point or anchor that you chose. Maybe the experience under that umbrella is the same. Maybe there's different sounds, different sensation. Just noticing. 
then back out to the right foot. Now, can you keep the right foot down? The whole sole of the foot down. You figure out how to press the weight forward into the ball of the foot without the heel actually lifting, just in effort alone. And then how about if you wanted to press into the heel without the ball of the foot lifting? Could you take the weight backwards? Work on one foot for a bit and then the other. So how do you get that little bit of shift front to back to happen? And let that go and come back to the right foot. And without letting the legs move, and you might have to look with your eyes, how do you get the inside edge of the right foot to lift up? With the big toe side, the inner heel is up off the ground. And down. Now up and down. You can figure out how to roll a little bit to the outer edge. It doesn't have to lift much. You might want to look up with your eyes to see how much of that is happening from the foot and how much of it is you letting your right knee drop out to the side. And everybody's a little different. So it may go a few degrees. May go a few more. It's irrelevant. You're just trying to figure out how do I get the inner edge to lift up? In effort alone, maybe in a little bit of position. Then how about the other side eventually? Get the left side to lift up on the inner edge. thinking as you lift up the inner edge of the foot that you're pressing the weight down into the outer edge of the foot more heavily. So maybe do that with a little bit of effort. Not so much that it ends up in your joints, but just so that you feel, okay, this would be the work that would go along with trying to push the edge of my foot down. And eventually you can go to the other side. Let the big toe side stay down. See if you can get the pinky side to lift up in effort. And it may not go very far at all. It's not really designed to go very far. And one might be easier or harder, but it's just how do I get those muscles to work so that that outer edge of the foot comes up? Yeah, good. I think that's how I push the weight into the inside edge of my foot more. And then much as we've done before, maybe rocking from side to side, letting the big toe come up and the little, maybe do it in symmetrical fashion or you swap back and forth between the two. And rather than it actually moving the feet, can you keep the feet down but in effort? Press the weight to the inside. In effort, press it to the outside. Then how about if you were trying to make little circles? Could you combine all of those different efforts together, the front, the back, the inside, the outside, so that it was almost as if you were shifting the weight around the feet in circular motions? If you get cramps in your feet or in your toes, relax, roll them out. And then eventually when you've figured that out, you can come back to being still. 
can come back to that one focal point that you set. And when you're ready, you can get yourself up to standing however you would like to. Once you stand up, if you want to put your arms in any configuration, that's fine. Just let them hang, put your hands on your hips, cross them, whatever feels natural to you right now. Just have your feet feel like they're roughly hip distance apart, so that it feels like your heels are under your hip joint. You can move them towards one another, and away, and back towards one another until that happens. And they don't have to even face straight ahead. Let them angle a little bit, one way or the other. Just do your feet feel natural and anchored underneath your hip. Either closing the eyes or letting your eyes turn down and the gaze fix. Just standing here with the eyes closed or gaze fixed, can you feel how your feet are doing a little bit of what they were doing on your back just to hold you upright without you having your eyes to rely on? As you stand here in balance without your eyes getting involved, that there's a little catch at the front and the back and the inside and outside of the foot to keep you centered and upright. And then what would happen if you just tried to pick your left foot up off the ground a bit? an effort alone, but can you feel as you lighten the weight on one foot of the foot that you're balancing on has to catch a little bit front, back, inside, outside, and then swap to the other side, and just notice that as you balance, the foot isn't completely anchored, that there's a little bit of muscular catching that happens, just to even lighten the foot at all. Make your way back down onto your back. And just in constructive rest, knees bent, feet and knees hip distance, and draw your mind back to the one focal point you chose. Hearing the sounds, feeling the support of the floor, the breath. Letting the mind travel there rather than elsewhere. And the work is not just in the lower leg. It goes all the way up through the body to keep you upright and balanced. Feet roughly hip distance again. Same with your knees. Have it feel like your feet are anchored and they're not too close to you. Without really changing your spine, it also push your feet down and lift your pelvis up off the ground an inch or so. And back down. Now as you go up and down, I want you to notice where the weight is in your feet. And if it feels like it's in the inside or outside and you're having to work to keep the feet anchored, then come down and change the angle of the feet or move them away from you so that it's easy to keep the weight fairly even all the way around the foot. 
If you feel constricted, like if I was to say lift up a little higher, if it would be like, I can't go any higher than your feet are likely too close to you. So move them away a bit. Because that touch the heels instruction was invented for somebody with very long arms who I've never met. So as you go up and down like this, just notice, what are you having to work to lift up like this? And it's different in each one of you where you will feel what's happening. But technically, as you lift the pelvis up, you're working the muscle group that straightens your knees, that stay, can stabilize the knee. You're also working the back line of the legs that stabilize part of the hip and the knee. So long as there's not sensation around the back of the pelvis or the sacrum, you can lift up the next time and hold. If there is sensation there, then keep your pelvis on the ground and just pick up an effort. Now once you're up, what would it take to keep the pelvis up to shift the weight into your right foot and to just lighten the weight on the left foot a bit? Maybe just the heel lifting up. Does the left side of the pelvis droop? And then bring that back down and perhaps come back down between sides and then back up and shift sides so you can lighten the right foot. Now as you're lifting, if there's sensation showing up in the joints, the hip around the back of your pelvis, your sacrum, and keep the pelvis lower or consider not lifting the foot. But without the pelvis rocking side to side, what would it take to balance the weight a bit more in one foot than the other or to lift a foot? you don't have to think about it. You're thinking about the task at hand. I will pick up pelvis. I'm going to lighten the weight in one foot and try to do that without my pelvis drooping one side to the other. And your body will pick up and say, okay, this is how we do it. This is how far it'll go. Can you notice that? Eventually, when you've figured that out, or if you want to take a break for a moment and come back at it, you're welcome to. If you pause, come back to your anchor, that one focal point. If you want to come back in and work again, you're welcome to do that. Eventually, when you've figured this out, and come back and pause a moment on breath or sound or the floor. Bring yourself back into this experience. And then make your way back up to standing when you're ready. you're up, same idea. Have your feet feel like they're roughly hip distance apart. And if you've been given some really solid rules that those darn feet have to be like train tracks and they don't feel comfortable or stable, then maybe change them. Now this time you can keep your eyes open or closed and it's completely your choice. Can you shift the weight a little bit into the right foot and just pick the left heel up? 
and then back down and just bringing the left heel up and down off the ground as you balance the weight in the right foot a bit more. And then perhaps taking the left heel up off of the ground and holding there. You can let the left knee bend as you go. What would it be like to come up maybe onto the left tiptoe? Can you focus on the right leg based on what you were doing on your back? Let the right leg stabilize. And maybe you stay here, or you lift the heel up and down, or you pick the left foot up a bit. And maybe it goes up and down, or it stays up and holds. But like just to balance the weight in one foot more than the other. And sometimes it helps to hold your eyes still, and sometimes it doesn't. There's no such thing as just anchoring the foot down evenly and hoping to balance on it. There's a little bit of muscle work that lets the weight dance around in the standing foot. Keep you up. Then the other side when you're ready. There's just right heel coming up and down and the right knee can bend along with that. Even as you lighten the weight on that right foot, what do you have to do in that left leg to keep yourself up? And can you pay attention to the sensation rather than any story in the mind? And maybe it's the tiptoe. Or perhaps one of the steps prior to that was of more interest or of more use to you. It's your exploration, and when you get lost or when the mind says something other than what is currently happening, you come back to your focal point, to your anchor. enough of the left one, you can grab one of your blocks and put it underneath of your right foot. And just have your left knee bent so your left foot can be on the ground as well. So again, hands can be wherever you want, arms can be wherever you want. Put the right foot up on the block, let the knee bend, the left foot can be down on the ground. And actually you need your hands somewhere. So put your hands on your hips at the top right now probably notice that you've got one hip a little bit higher than the other just because of the marching stance that you're in. And just start to let the weight on the left foot lighten some and lean into the right foot. Start to straighten the right knee out and maybe come up onto the left toes, onto the ball of the foot, and know that you can always step back down. But as you lift up, you can get the sides of the waist to be a little bit more even. How do you do that? Eyes hold still if that helps. Keep the tiptoes on the ground or lift them up. The idea is to balance more weight in the right foot than the left. 
And maybe that means toes, and maybe it means the foot hovers. Now, it's one thing to hover or to lighten the weight in the left foot and to keep the left leg still. It would be a whole other ball game if you were to try to move this left leg. Maybe it's like you're marching a bit. Perhaps that makes the right leg not at all stable. So at that point, it would be get rid of the left legs moving around. Just noticing what happens as you move the left leg even a tiny bit or how as you lift up, what happens to keep you up? All these, these small little micro adjustments that have to happen and that your body does a lot of it all on its own. So can you just notice that? And you can come in and out of this. It is free for you to explore for as long as you want on the right side, in and out, and eventually to the left, but there's no rush. It's when you feel like swapping. As much as yoga people would like everything out there at large to be symmetrical and even from right to left, that is not how life works. So you might like balancing on one foot more than the other, and that's okay. Just make sure that the foot you're balancing on is anchored solidly on the block so you don't slip off of it. Whether the toes are on the ground or the foot is hovering, we like to move the right leg a bit somehow. How does that impact the balance? How does it impact the standing leg? Knowing there's no right or wrong, the idea is to balance more weight in one foot than the other. To potentially add some movement to the raised leg or the lighter leg. And every day is different. Explored the left leg enough, you can come back down off the block and down onto the floor. Just standing on both feet. Eyes open or closed, bring your mind back to the one anchor you set. It's one thing to balance on both feet when both feet are down on the ground. It's one thing to balance on one foot when the whole foot is on the ground. Now standing would be like to lift up onto the balls of the feet a little bit. And just to move up and down dynamically. Move up and down. How does that change the structure above? tend to roll to one side of the foot or the other. Can you figure out how, based on what you learned with pressing the weight into the different parts of the feet, how to get the feet to feel a little bit more solid and anchored from inside to outside? 
don't even have to go very high. It can be just the effort of lifting the heels. They're all equivalent. Then what would it be like to lift up in effort or in position and to balance there, balls of the feet a bit? What would it be like to shift the weight into one foot a bit more than the other here, now up on the balls of the feet? Does that mean that the balance diminishes? If so, perhaps we work on both feet at the same time. You can go up and down. The idea would be to both feet down or one foot lightning. How does it change things to balance on the balls of the feet versus standing on the whole foot? In yoga class, you never get to stand on the balls of your feet almost ever. Remind yourself when the mind wanders or when it's telling you a story about this activity, just come back, that one focal point, that one anchor, and come back into the experience of what you're doing. All you're doing is exploring these sensations in these positions. There's no right or wrong, there's no advanced or beginner, there's no good or bad. Eventually coming back down and let the whole foot stay down now and balance a little bit into the right foot again. Now, without the block underneath of you, what would it be like to lighten the weight of the left foot or to pick the left leg up some? Oh, if only balancing poses were always taught that way. How about the other side? What does it do? And you can go side to side, and the leg that lifts up, maybe you want to change the position of it. It's fairly obvious that some of this would mimic that tree pose-ish thing in a way. Or a few other standing poses. Where do you change the pelvis and its angle? Where does the standing hip not stay in place? Not that it's right or wrong, it's just today, doing fairly neutral there. And eventually when you've had enough of that, and again, there's no rush, when you're done you can make your way back down onto your back. Again, comfortable position to be in. If that's constructive rest, it can be constructive rest. If it's another position, let it be that. Let your mind travel back to the sensations that are here in the room. 
eventually to your one anchor or focal point. Bend feet on the floor eventually, that same place we are in. Just pay attention to how the back of your pelvis and the lower back feels in relation to the floor. Tip your sit bones a little bit up away from the floor, and then tip them back to where they started and down towards the floor. Just some small little reclined cat-cow tilts so that you can notice that as you rock the pelvis, there's some change to the lower back. One direction arches the lower back up away from the floor a bit more, the other moves it down towards the floor a bit. Now let the pelvis eventually rest back in a still place, and can you notice, all right, this is neutral. This is how much my lower back curves. Now without that curve changing, Pick your right foot up off the ground. You can keep your right knee bent and tuck your right thigh in towards you. And then unfold it and you can let the foot come back down towards the floor. Just picking the foot up and down, moving the thigh in towards you and out away from you. In an effort to notice how far can you fold the hip without the spine changing, without the sit bones rocking up or down. What range does the hip itself have? Because eventually it will max out. That will be the end of the hip's movement. So when you figure that out, then hold the thigh in its final position for you. And you can hold the back of the thigh if you'd like with your hands. Not so that you're pulling it in any tighter, just as a means to not have to work the hip flexor group so much. With the ankle fairly relaxed, just notice how the close the right thigh is to you. Notice what happens as you start to straighten the right knee out. And then re-bend the right knee. Get the right thigh tucked in as close as it'll go in your body without it impacting the spine and then start to bend and straighten the right knee figure out how straight or bent the knee has to be for you to keep your thigh tucked in as close as it was a moment ago when you were just exploring the hip. How does it become impacted by the foot? What happens when you flex the ankle or point it? Does that change how close you can hold the thigh in? you're going for maximum hip fold without it impacting the spine and as much bend or straighten in the knee as you need and whatever ankle position works for you. And then once you figure that out, it'll be to hold it in that place and what if I said, all right, with your knee in the position it's in, the ankle in the position it's in, can you hold it there without your hands? And if it popped away from you at all, then we'll say, no, probably a little too far. 
Now we have a problem here. Because what if you were trying to do that shape called hand to big toe pose? And you reached your arm straight up to the ceiling now without it changing your shoulder or your neck. I'm going to venture to say that your foot is a really long distance away from you. And that to reach up for it, you'll have to reach your shoulder up off the ground and let your head come up off of the ground and change your whole spine to get that foot. So rather than changing your spine, how about grabbing the leg at the back of the thigh or holding the knee? Just making note, we'll call this my hand to big toe shape for today. And then it'll be to go to the other side. So let the right foot come down. Take a pause, come back to the anchor you set. And remember, if at any point you need to tip to your side or change what you're doing, that that is your absolute right to do that. You can come to the one focal point and anchor rather than any of the physical part, and it'd be just as much of a practice. All right, now to the left leg when you're ready. It'll be fold the hip as far as it'll go, in and out first. And they might be different. It might not. How far will it tuck in? And when you figure that out, it'll be eventually, okay, hold it there. You can use your hands if you like to hold the thigh in, but it's just minimal arm effort. And then you'll add the knee, bending and straightening it with the different ankle positions. You're going for, how do I hold the hip in its maximum fold? And add the variables of the knee and the ankle in a way that doesn't impact that hip non-negotiable. what we could call it for today. settle on. All right, this is how much bend I need in my knee. This is the ankle position that works. And see if you can hold the leg there without the use of your hand. And if you were to reach your left arm up, unless you were to change your shoulder a lot or your spine, that toe, except for very few people who have the skeletal proportions for it, is going to be a long way away. So fine. Grab the leg instead and just make note. Okay, it's because my legs are longer than my arms. And that's all right. And come back down, come back to the right side. Just put your hand on your right thigh. You don't have to do much work there to get the leg to lift up a little bit, not a ton. And actually hug the right leg in first. Grab the back of the thigh. Once the hip is maxed out, just note again, how straight can your particular knee go? And what ankle position do you prefer? Then make note of that range. Okay, this is how bent my knee needs to be. This is how close the thigh is. And then bring the foot back down and put your hand on the right thigh. And with a little bit of resistance, press your right thigh bone away from you. Just a little bit. Don't go wild with this. Then pick your right foot up. Bring the right thigh in towards you. And as you bring the thigh in, just gently pressing the thigh away so there's a little resistance to you folding. 
And you can pulse, bringing the foot up and down, using a little resistance. You can bring the leg in a little tighter, further away, it's up to you. You're just looking for, all right, where are my hip flexor muscles? You can keep the knee pretty bent the whole time, just pulling the thigh bone in towards you, pressing it away from you with your hand. How do you get those hip flexors to work? And when you fatigue the right side, it's like, all right, I get it. I'm tired. Then switch legs. And it'll be to hug it in first, just to look at the range. Where does it go? How straight is the knee? What is my ankle doing? How close is the leg to me? And then when you figure that out, then it'll be to work. Hand on your left thigh with the foot all the way down. Once the foot's down and you've given the leg a little resistance, then pick it up and tuck it in towards you and press it away with your hand as you go. You can pulse or move in and out of it. Just trying to figure out how to get your hip flexor muscles to work. to keep it out of your joints, out of the, around the sacrum. And if it's showing up there, work less or pause. And when this left side is like, all right, it's fatigued, I've had it, then come down. And now we'll see what is called reciprocal inhibition and whether it worked or not. Bring your right leg back in and with all the same priorities, the hip maxed out and fold. Grab the back of the leg, whatever ankle position you like, but let's see how far this leg goes down. And maybe it goes a little further, but maybe the knee straightens a bit more without the thigh bone popping away from you. Maybe not. We don't always have to passively stretch to get things to change. Then you can try the other side. So what does it take to get a muscle lengthened? Sometimes strength on the imposing side of the joint. Even still, I'd venture to bet that toe for the vast majority of you is a long way away. So you don't have to get it. It was just because some guy said so at some point recently. And when you've had enough fat and come back, that one point of focus just for a moment. Now that was getting the raised leg up. Let the mind travel back to that focal point for a moment to anchor you back here. Now we add the complexity, stretch both legs out on the ground. Now imagine they were both legs that you were balancing on, standing on both feet evenly right now. Once you have your legs positioned and working as if you were balancing in an imaginary way, Keep the right one where it is. What would happen if you started to tuck this left leg in towards you, bending the knee, folding the hip, getting the left leg to move towards where you decided, all right, that's my hip fold, that's my hand to big toe leg. You can let the knee straighten out, the ankle change position, 
And you may notice this leg is a lot further away from you than it was before. Now what would have to happen to this right leg to get the left leg back to where it was before? Most likely you'd have to bend your right knee to then get the left leg in closer. And then you can try the other side. Maybe stretch both legs out, and you'll just notice as you pick the right leg up that it most likely won't come in as close to you as it was before when the opposing leg was in constructive rest. Well, why? Because you've added a complexity to this. Now, one hip that's having to stay neutral and one that's flexing a lot. So you'd have to bend the left knee if you wanted the right leg in tighter. And that may become more obvious if you put both feet back down on the ground with your knees bent. Start in constructive rest. Keep your right leg where it is. Tuck the left one in to its max hand to big toe. You can use your hands and grab the back of the thigh a little bit if you'd like. Once the knee is to your amount of straight, your ankle in the position you've decided, all right, all that works to keep my hip as folded as it will go. Then you can start to inch the right leg out away from you. And if you need your eyes, you can look with your eyes. But as this right leg moves away, at a certain point, you'll have a bit of a paradox on your hands, most likely. And you'll have to choose, do I want the right leg straight or do I want this left one tucked in this close? because you can't do all of it together. Not without forcing things weirdly. Okay, you can try the other side when you feel ready. Just starting with the bent knees, right one tucked in. Once it's tucked in and you figured that out, it'll be creep the left one away from you a little bit at a time aren't going to work together. And that's all right. When in your regular life, or in an evolutionary sense, was this ever necessary? <laughs> the answer is never. Then what if you were trying to balance this all at the same time? So when you've figured this out, I'll give you a couple of moments if you'd like to experiment side to side or to hug your knees in or to wiggle back and forth or anything you need for a moment, do all of those. But you'll eventually make your way up to standing. Same idea, I come back to Feet anchored, hip distance under you. Arms wherever you like, eyes open or closed. Let yourself come back to this sensation you set as your meditative anchor. And a little bit at a time, we'll keep the right foot on the floor and start to shift the weight into it and picking the left foot up a little maybe a bit more, and starting to explore what it would be like to mimic what you were doing lying down, but here standing. It's a lot more effort. 
Maybe once the leg is up, you grab the back of the thigh or the knee to hold the leg up to help you out. Then what would happen if you started to straighten the knee? Would you prefer to point the toe? in and out, and go side to side. You can also play with what would it be like to bend the standing knee and to let the raised leg come up a bit higher. How does that change things? Is it possible? Is it not? Sure, you've all done before a regular old hand to big toe. So, if I was just to say hand to big toe in a regular old class, if you feel like experimenting with what you usually do, then go ahead. Do normal hand to big toe the way you'd usually do it, and I want you to explore what do you have to compromise to get that toe in your hand. And if you know that it doesn't work for you, or you'd prefer not to do that part, you're always welcome to leave it out. So it's what is that about? What's that shape about? Well, standing on one leg, reaching another one in front of you. So you can go back to exploring the one that works better for you. Maybe do it both sides if you're doing the, I want to see what I compromise one. You can always do both sides. hip flexor work and balance work and concentration and all that. Toes kind of irrelevant. much time as you like and perhaps there's something that you want to explore moving the leg in a circle or taking it behind you or tipping forward but a lot of those balance poses are just standing on one leg doing other things with the opposing leg some of them are very exploitative of range and to be honest a lot of that exploitative stuff gets rid of all the best stuff about the shape There's no pressure to stay up or to work longer. There's also no pressure to end earlier. When you're done, you can make your way down onto your back again. Same idea.
So the standing one, the reclined one, all the same joint positions. One just has more effort than the other in the muscles, and one requires balance and the other doesn't. So again, get yourself to a comfortable position on your back. And if it's not on your back and you'd prefer your side or flipped over for a moment, you can do that. Come back, find fear again. Sounds, the sensations. done a lot front to back, not a lot of width or rotation or anything of the sort. Just bend your knees, put your feet back on the ground again. And the right leg, take it out onto the ground and start to roll the leg side to side a bit, just letting the thigh bone turn in and out. You can do it with a straight knee. You could add a bend to the knee. Change the foot position and let the foot make some little circles as you go if you'd like. Instead of keeping the leg just outstretched, you can also bring the thigh in towards you and start to make circles with the thigh bone in the hip socket. Leg can go from tucked in and circling to outstretched. You can hug it with your hands and go back and forth. It's taking the leg in a few more of the ranges that it can do at the hip. Maybe even crossing the thigh bone across the midline as you've worked the outer hip a lot to stand on one foot. Eventually, you can let the right leg settle back to being still. There's no rush to get there. You take the left leg out and let it roll in and out first. The knee bent or straight. The ankle, the foot, the toes change along with that. Start to make circles with the thigh bone, circles with the leg. Just free form, exploring other movements, letting yourself and the sensation in your body guide you of what you need or want to explore. And again, there's no right or wrong. over, 
and then let the pelvis tip a bit side to side. All options are welcome. Let your legs come back to constructive rest. Take the arms wherever they feel comfortable to you. Start to tip the sit bones up and down again. Those rocks and tips can be small. If there's sensation around the back of the pelvis or up into the hip crease, feel free to leave these out. Or to do smaller rocks. And let those movements move up into the rest of the spine where you're letting the tip of the pelvis change the neck and the upper back. You could even let the pelvis lift up off of the ground or the head lift up off of the ground if one of those feels like it is intuitively helpful. Also let the pelvis rock a bit side to side, which is harder to do with just the pelvis moving. Sometimes the legs need to move along with that. And you could also make little circles one way or the other with the hip joint. And then let those circles move up higher or even take the arms and outstretch them or overhead and stretch the legs out. Really making suggestions of what would balance out a lot of the work that you did prior to this. the arms outstretched like a T, just palms up, and completely relax, the fingers curl up off the floor. Letting the feeling of the floor under the back of your arms, under the back of the hands, uh, the support of that feeling, perhaps make the arms feel a little bit heavier. Move the head a bit side to side, letting it roll right to left. Move a little bit or a lot. And as you roll your head side to side, it feels like slackening the jaw, or mimicking the motion of a yawn would be helpful in relaxing face do any of those as well. Even wiggling 
the jaw back and forth, holding the head turned to one side. direction, more of a yes nod, putting the chin move up away from and then down towards the chest, letting the movements of the jaw, if that feels helpful, go along with that. Feel free to leave any of that out to be still instead, change the arms, all your choice. helpful to at any point reach your arms back overhead and stretch back or to stretch the legs out to let the neck move along with that or change how you're lying in any way so what would balance out now what you've been working on what would bring you to a place of feeling like during shavasana you could be at ease feel balanced like you could hold still unless you needed to move for some reason Maybe you need to hug the knees in or to tip side to side or even flip over, but in the next few moments, any small little explorations or shapes that you feel like you need to do in order to be at ease for the remainder. some props but not all of them so if it would feel helpful to have bolsters or blocks or any of those sorts of things to support yourself with them you're welcome to get any of those items yourself up and make sure that you're warm enough if you're not. And no, you do not have to lie on your back or even stay lying down. You could sit up, you could lie on your side, you could flip over and lie on your belly, and you put your legs up the walls. The idea is to find what would be the most comfortable final position to be in. making sure it's going to be comfortable for a sustained period of time.
know that as you lie here for the remainder of class, that if there's a reason to move that you feel is necessary, that that is absolutely fine. You can change how you're lying on the floor, you can sit up, anything that comes to your attention and demands that you adjust for it, please feel free. Starting in the same way we did at the beginning, just noticing the sounds that are here again. As they come and go, even my voice coming and going and disappearing for a bit. The feeling of the floor underneath of you or the support of the props. Any of the sensation with the breath. Where is here? How do you access it? By feeling what's here. And whether it's the same one that you chose all along as an anchor or a new anchor you'll set for the remainder of class. And let the volume on all of the other sensations just turn down, not off, just humming in the background. Let the volume on your particular anchor turn up. Returning to it if you wander elsewhere. And staying with it so long as nothing in the background noise demands your attention.
taking one by one, letting the other sensory experiences that are here turn back up. Mind will dance from one to the next. Let yourself notice what it's like to move a little bit, to hear others moving around you. process of letting yourself stay in the moment, experiencing what's here as you eventually make your way up to see it. In whatever way feels comfortable to you. like to join your hands together or to bow your head or both. You're welcome to close that way. Thank you so much for all your attention always. Namaste. Namaste.